We are ready. We are ready. We are ready. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Welcome to Dominion Sonship once again. Thank you for joining us. And um, yes, thank you for joining us. Thank you for desiring the greater truths of the Word of God. And, and when we have a seeking heart to understand His Word, God is always making a way of revelation for us to glean and to partake of divine reality that really the flesh knows nothing of. But you see, now that we are in Christ, we are not of the flesh. Now that we are in Christ, we are, I don't know, did I put my mic on? <laughs> now that we're in Christ, we're a brand new creation. In this brand new creation life, there is there is light of revelation. There is a light of transformation. There is light to walk out divine life on earth, a supernatural understanding, a know-how that is of God, a know-how that is of God and that is not of man. And so the message for today is go forward. Go forward is, is so precise of a title I heard as soon as I sat in my, in my prayer chair this morning to just quieten myself. I was go forward and I, I have many messages with the word forward in it. It is really a, a, a key word to my life. It is really something that the Lord has spoken to me and, and it was, it was really from this impetus of forward going in God that Dominion Sonship came about. And at that time, my son was listening to a song that was to do with God cannot drive a parked car. Go, go. And of course, that is the Great Commission, the Great Commission in Mark 16. And go into all the world and preach this message of the cross, the gospel, the message of life in Christ. And so forward is a very dear word to me. And um, when I heard go forward, yet I knew this morning it would look a little different than what normally I have spoken along this way of go forward. So let's, let's tune in. Let's trust God for utterance. It is a lofty, big message. And I told my son who's behind the camera right now that I was almost hesitant to come behind this moment here behind this little table I've set up to put my Bible on because I knew it was a big message. And how does one bring it out unless it's the Holy Spirit bringing it out? And so go forward is really, I'm going to do a dash to this title once I post it later on. It's Grow in God. This go forward today is about growing up in God. It is about Christian maturity. You see, without a Christian maturity, which is a sonship of dominion, which is really a lead of his spirit, which is really a work of transformation brought about by the word of the living God. Without, without, without a Christian maturity, we cannot go forward in the plan of God. We can make some actions from the external man. We can make some decisions that we think align up with that which is right in the sight of God. And all of it, all of it, all of it 
has value because we have a heart that thirsts after righteousness. But really, ultimately, it's about his heart in us, moving us and propelling us into the trueness of his life that is only found in the true vine, which is the word of God. And so go forward is about growth in Christ. It is about coming into a conformity to the risen, resurrected king of glory. And that is not something that we can put on nor pretend because in the spirit, it is very evident and visible to God and powers and principalities, the stature of your Christian growth. So there's two, two verses that I think kind of sum up my, my message today. And they're really not even part of a message, but I, I really felt these two verses go so well. And it's one is in Matthew 6. We spend a lot of time in Matthew 6 some time back about do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. Why? Because it can add no growth to you in Christ. Actually, just the opposite. It brings forth stagnation. It produces a hardened heart towards the Word of God, a heart of unbelief. And ultimately, ultimately, can lead us astray. Thinking in our head, we're serving God. But with our heart, we're chasing after other things. Matthew 6, 27. Why do you worry about... Actually, 27, sorry. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature. And we'll break it up if the Lord leads me and time is available in his lead for today. We'll break that verse down. And the other one is, is in John 3. We've spent time in John 3 as well. You must be born again. You must be born again. Because otherwise you have absolutely no understanding of what I'm talking about. But really, it doesn't matter whether you have an understanding of what I'm talking about. It's about an understanding of the Word of God. And I trust and I have an assurance within me that I'm being led of the Spirit in the opening of Scriptures. But if our hearts are dull of hearing, no matter the vessel God is using to communicate truth to you, you have no understanding of the word of God. And yet with your carnal mind, because it sounds familiar, that verse, that scripture, that portion of scripture, maybe even you read it this morning, and you think, oh, I know that. Old news. To know his word is to be a partaker of truth, to be fully transformed by his word. And that looks like, that looks like one walking out as a son of God. Unmoved by the chaos of the world, 
unmoved by that which we see and that we hear with our natural eyes, unmoved by sight and natural hearing, unmoved. We have the example of Jesus. We have the example of Moses. The example of Joseph, Paul the Apostle, John the Apostle, Noah, Noah, a preacher of righteousness, unmoved by the mockery and the belittling of those around him. For he had never reigned before. Had never reigned before. And here God speaks to him. Prepare an ark, for there will be a flood. I was actually meditating Gideon. We think of Gideon and we think of the fleece, of really testing God with that fleece. But once Gideon came into that assurance of faith, God is speaking to me. I am a mighty man of valor. Once he he agreed with the voice of God, he became fully unmoved. And what was Gideon's story? That he was supposed to amass an army to attack the enemy that brought such destruction. They were like locusts in number, multitudes of them, destroying their harvest, eating up their produce. So much so Gideon was found fresh wheat in a wine press, fearing for his life, hiding for his life. And God speaks to him. And once Gideon comes into the revelation, the assurance, this is the voice of God. An army was amassed, what, of 30,000? And God said, ask them. Ask that army. How many of them are fearful? And the ones that are fearing, let them go home. Say bye-bye to them. How many did... Gideon say bye-bye to that day. 20,000. And yet, and yet the army had camped out as multitudes as sand on the seashore. But 10,000 was not the number he went to battle with. And God said to him, I'll tell you there's a further There's a further sifting here that's about to happen. Only those that are prayerful and watchful, those will go and battle with you. And that number came down to 300, a company of 300. And even that company was split up three ways into hundreds. So the ones that Gideon was with, that his little company was only just a hundred. And God speaks to him. I'm going to give you a confirmation. Go down to the enemy's camp and hear what they say. And God strengthened his heart. You can read about Gideon in Judges. And what did, what did God do with a man that believed God? 
regardless of what he saw and heard in the natural of the naysayers. Those that walked away, the first batch of them, the 20,000, would have been his peers. And so we have these examples of faith that really Hebrews 11 outlines, outlines a lot of their names. And Jephthah, and David, and Daniel. See, once we come in the humility of God is God, and he is to be trusted, his word is truth to me. His word has the final say-so in my life. And if he says to me, do not worry about your life, you will not progress in life this way. You will not add a single stature to your, a single cubit to your stature by worrying. Actually, you will regress. What am I supposed to do at that moment? Well, God, you don't understand. My life is very difficult. You don't understand the economy of today. Would God consider that? No. Because before the foundations of the earth, he's called the end from the beginning. And it is, it is finished. The work is done. Now we are to enter into the rest of faith. And the rest of faith looks like new creation life to you and I. And so here now we go to the second verse in John 3. The very words of Jesus. Verse 5. Most assuredly I say to you, unless one, unless one is born of water and the Spirit. Unless one is born again, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You old birth, born of the flesh, born of a woman, is flesh. But this new creation life that you have now when you believed on Jesus is a birth that is of the Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You must be born again. Because right prior to that, in verse 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, born of the Spirit, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Maybe in your mind you're saying, I am born again, so I check that. But you see, now because we have checked that, we have to live life. <laughs> We have to live life from the reality. I am born again. I am a new creation man. Because that which is born of the Spirit 
The old mindset, the old mindset is of the flesh and, and leads and produces things of the flesh. And we know what Paul tells us. I think in what does Paul tell us? This verse just flashed. Let me just read it. I'll put my eyes on it and I'll read it out and you could maybe in your moment look it up in Galatians. In Galatians 6 verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh, he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that old man reaps corruption. Reaps Corruption. That old man reaps corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit, the new creation man, of the Spirit reap everlasting life. This is Christian reality. But not just Christian reality. This is supernatural, spiritual reality that is applicable to all, whether born again or not born again. And here we are, the ones that are born again. Rather than be imitators of God, we've succumbed to being an imitator of the world. Back to how the flesh does things. Back to how the old man reasoned. And really it is without us undergoing the washing of the word on a daily basis, continual basis, continual basis, we will revert to the flesh. We will walk out the old patterns of thoughts for as we believe we are walking it out. Your today was determined by the thoughts of yesterday. And so here we go again. Back, back, back we, be, we come to this moment of revelation. It's not up to God. But it's up to me to line up with that which is done for me. To live from above. Because we now in him have newness of life. And this newness of life is resurrection life. It is a life that is from above and not from beneath because we are after the second Adam who is a life-giving spirit. A life-giving spirit releases life, 
from thoughts of life, from meditations of one's heart that are of life. And if the meditations in our heart are of the flesh, of worry, then it's flesh. And flesh only can reap corruption. Flesh only can reap corruption. Flesh only can reap corruption. And I think at times we don't fully, fully, fully want to believe that. And yes, we can maybe agree a little bit more readily with the wages of sin is death. But flesh is what takes you into sin. So go forward is about growth in God. So here, let's go now. Philippians 3. And I really want to go back to Matthew 6. If not today, it will be next Sunday. Go forward in God. is to grow up in God. Philippians 3, as Paul had to grow up in God. This is a verse that's been common to us in terms of having read it often in the past. But... Um, we want to glean once again and not keep it so common, but we want it to become transformative to us, brand new again today. 3.13 of Philippians. Let's go verse 12. Not that I have already attained, Paul writes. This is sobriety. Or I'm already perfected. That word is fully matured. This is not for you to cop out, well, you know, I'm just human, so hey, I'm not perfect, buddy. No, no, we're not talking about that. That is really such a, such a really awful statement in the mouth of a believer who is born again. We're not mere humans. We are new creations. The perfection that he's talking about here is telos, matured. I haven't fully grown yet. But I press on. This is it. I press on. I am attaining to supernatural growth and stature in Christ. How? By believing the message of God. Justification by faith. Not based on righteousness of men of what I can do. Cubits. Measures of men. I press on that I may lay hold to possess the land he's possessed for me. The example of the Israelites. God continually spoke to them through Moses and then through Joshua. I've given you the land. Now go and possess it. It might sound like an oxymoron to a carnal ear. What do you mean God gave it to them, but now go possess it? But in Christ, we fully understand what that is. Walk in this new creation life that you already have. That looks like picking up that cross daily. Possessing 
this new life, attaining to walk out this resurrection life. A life that has a thought that is from above, the very thought of God. What is the thought of God? The very word of God. I'm not, not full grown yet, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I'm possessing this high ground I have in Christ. I'm possessing and attaining and walking out and living out the place of dominion I have in him. That where that place where I've been placed is far above fear and torment. It's in the very love of God that has no torment. That has no thought of tomorrow. But is in this perpetual rest of now. Now faith is. Now faith is. Now, now we attain. Not tomorrow. Now we grow. We add to our faith now. Not cubits to an outer man of measures of man, but God's measures of life divine, which is the word of God. Brethren, verse 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended, to have laid hold of, to have fully possessed, can I say. As Joshua knew, they hadn't fully possessed it. God spoke to Joshua and said, Joshua, an old man now. And yet there's so much land. Divvy up the land. Come on, Joshua. And so he divvied up the land according to the tribes and said to them, go possess, this is your land. The boundaries were set and they were theirs. How many? How many? Not any fully clear the land as God had commanded them to do. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, this is it. This is what growing up in God looks like. This is what this go forward looks like. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. 
It's about growing up in Christ Jesus. It is not about being successful in the world. Worldly merit, worldly success is cheap. A vanity that's passing by. Growth in God is eternal. Growth in God is eternal. And there are rewards attached to growth in God at the judgment seat of Christ. Rewards will be given based on growth in God. Luke 9, we've looked at this verse too. Look at it again because it goes so well. And because the Lord flashed it before my sight this morning. Luke 9. 52. 62. Look 9.62, not 52. Look 9.62. But let's start verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his, hand, his head. He is not from this realm. Jesus is not from this realm of earthly abodes, and earthly comfort. The ones that follow him, their abode is in heaven. The ones that follow the master Jesus, their life is from above. And we can so readily identify with this verse. Because no earthly comfort can comfort us. We have the Holy Spirit who is our comfort. He's the Spirit from above. The Spirit of the Father. So what are we seeking today? As we say, Jesus, I follow you. The comfort by which he comforts the heavenly abode. I'm not from here. I'm not of flesh, but I'm of the spirit. I am born again. Fifty-nine, verse 59. Now he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. 
Flesh gives birth to flesh and produces flesh. I'll attend to the kingdom of God after I've attended to my earthly affairs. I'll follow God once I retire and I have money in the bank account. I'll do this for God once this happens, earthly situation. Fill in the blanks. All of us can relate to this one as well. But you see, to follow him is to forsake all for him. To lose my life so I can gain him. Born of the spirit. Not born of flesh identity. How extreme and how narrow and how beautiful of a life that is. Fully given to God. Fully given to God, as Daniel's life was. Fully given to God. And no man could destroy him nor touch him. And every king exalted him because the heavenly king of glory had exalted Daniel. Because Daniel had bowed the knee to the living God. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. Because that which is born of flesh leads to where? Corruption. Dead works. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. You be about life. You be about life. A life-giving spirit. As you truly are in Christ. Born from above. And another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. That way I put my little head to rest. Earthly abodes again. This separation of flesh and spirit is a, is a, a, Is the ultimate test of our lives. Whether we go for God or we're about preserving our lives on earth, which often looks like a preservation of reputation among men. And what does Jesus say to that one? This is why I came to this verse, to, to this portion here. What does Jesus say about that one saying farewell to the ones who are in my house? Flesh gives birth to flesh. Jesus says to him, no one having put his hands to the plow and looking back, not forgetting what was behind is fit for the kingdom of God. The word of God is a sword and it cuts. 
is a revealer of the trueness of our heart. And we like to shy away from it. We like to hide even behind little Bible readings, the ones we really want to read. An excuse so much. But let even that word that you read that you like so much, even that, let it be transformative. And bring forth a conviction that you are not of man, but you are of God. You're of God, and if you're of God, and you are, if you're born again, then you've overcome the world. Then you're to fear not. Then you're to fear not. Then you're to fear not. Then you're to not look back. Then you're to mourn not. Then you're to not live in like you're losing something, you've missed out on something, saying bye-bye to another. Or bearing a dead moment in Christ, we're called to this upward call, where it's no longer you, it's no longer you and me, it's no longer the outside, the outside, the outside that, that we have so well known and still wants to talk to us, the outside reality, because it's real. Flesh is real, not a figment of our imagination. Flesh has a voice, a selfish voice, self-preservation voice, self-exaltation voice, self-promotion voice. Let's go to Matthew, see what Jesus did in his hour of, of, of great testing. In his hour in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said, not my will, but thy will be done. In Matthew 26. Let's go to verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, the pressing of the olives where that oil flowed. The most precious oil that was even used by the priests. Said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And then he took with himself, with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, three of the most faithful ones, the inner core. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He knew where he was going. He had to go alone. And yet he placed him in a post of a watchtower. And in this hour of exceeding sorrow, what did Jesus do? Verse 39, 
he went a little further. He went a little further. He went forward with the call of God. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This is what going a little further looks like. This is what growing up in God looks like. Not my will, but your plan for my life, which looks like no place to rest my earthly little head, which looks like not looking back and bidding farewell to an earthly moment which looks like being a bond servant of Christ. Fully submitted, fully submitted to God's will. This is what we're growing up in. This is what we're growing up in. This is what we'll give an account to God for. And I'm not talking about a giant leap forward. Here we see it. Jesus says he went a little further, a little further. And I love this because actually I looked it up to see what that was a little further. In the Strong's Concordance, it reads Matthew 26, 39, going a little further, he fell face down and prayed. And so that is going, the word going is to go forward. And I think the Berean translation of the Bible in this verse says he went forward, a little forward. To go forward, to go on, advance, advance. It's about spiritual growth. It's not about camping out and you know it all, you know it all, and you keep repeating the same old repeat. How about we go a little deeper? How about we go a little further in God today? Go forward, go on, advance, to go before, proceed. It's from pro and ekromai, which means to go onward. And then a little further. I love this. A little further, it's micron, micron, a little further. You can hear the micro in it, right? It says a little small, including the comparative microteros, apparently a primary word small. Little. I'm not talking about a spiritual giant overnight, but I'm talking about adding stature in the spirit which looks like adding to your faith, which looks like Christ abiding in you. That you be strengthened in your inner man. That he lives in your heart by faith. So you do mighty exploits for God because you are born from above. You're God's now. 
You are gods now. You're not men's of flesh. You're born from above, part of the kingdom of heaven. And so it's time to repent. Let's look at that. Let's look at that in Matthew 4. The ministry of Jesus, how did it start? Baptism. Being dipped in the river Jordan by John the Baptist. The forerunner. And in chapter 4 in Matthew, he's being led into the wilderness, into temptation. To withstand Satan steadfast in the faith. Did he withstand him? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. This is not poor little Jesus being tested. No, this is about power demonstrated. To overcome every temptation that we now have in Christ within us. Oh, isn't that amazing? Look at that. He was here baptized and by the Spirit he was led in the desert. Oh, what dominion. What confidence God has in that baptism. And, John, and Romans 6 writes about that power in baptism. Reckoning the old man dead and coming into newness of life. Come. Ah, let's live out this divine life on earth. Let's live out. Let's cheer each other on and encourage ourselves to run the race of faith with persevering. Lest we get distracted and burdened with many cares. Like Martha, 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 you're troubled with many cares. One thing is required to sit at his feet and to hear what the master says, which is adding to your faith, by the way. Because that's how faith comes, through the hearing of the word of God. Not through a troubled heart. And so... Then we come into Matthew 4, him coming at the end, coming out of um, 20, 11, sorry, four, uh, verse 11. Matthew 4, 11. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him after he proved himself faithful to God. Because those who've been given the trust must prove faithful to God. You will be exercised. You will be tested. The testing of your faith. And when this is very, very prophetic right here, every, the word is the prophetic scriptures we read from, from the last chapter in Romans last week, the prophetic scriptures. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And thereafter starts his ministry. When the old structure comes to an end, new life starts. Why would I say that? Why will I say that regarding John the Baptist? Well, 
Jesus says, I think it's in Luke. I have a reference. Yeah, Luke 7. Twenty-eight. When he hears about John the Baptist being imprisoned, and John sends word by his disciples to ask if Jesus is the one, and Jesus responds here in verse twenty-two of, of John of, of Luke seven, Jesus answered and said to them, "Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard. The blind see." The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. The poor have the gospel preached to them. The poor had the gospel preached to them. The poor had the gospel preached to them. It wasn't the feeding ministry of natural food. It was the feeding ministry of the word of God. A side note. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Then the messages of John had departed. He began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously appareled and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it's written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who prepare your way before you. In verse 28. For I say to you, among those born of women, among those, can I qualify, born of flesh, can you hear John 3 here? John 3, those are born of the flesh of flesh. Among those born of women, Jesus says, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. He who is born again, he who is born from above, the least in the kingdom of God, is greater than the one born of a woman. A mighty prophet of God. So when we look at the Old Testament heroes, John the Baptist being one of them, though he is in the New Testament, when we look at those that had the pronouncements of God, the prophets of God of old, always keep in mind, you are, you are now in the kingdom of God, born again. So don't look at them like looking up like to something you can't attain to. You've already attained to it. Because you're found in Christ. The word of God says about them that they looked from afar off. But never received the fullness of it. 
But we now have the fullness of it through this new birth in Christ. So back to Matthew 4. How does Jesus start his ministry? Verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's why I came here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's look at that word repent. And I'm sure many of us that have been in, in circles that have preached the word of God, we know exactly what we're talking about here when we read this word, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The Strongs of Matthew 4.17 reads, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That word repent is metanoia. 33.40, and it means to change one's mind or purpose. To change my mind, to change the inner man, particularly with reference to acceptance of the will of God. You see, now that you are of the kingdom of heaven, even if you're the least, you have a divine responsibility to change your mind. Repent. Not go cry a river, but to get up from the old ways and go forward in God. It is no longer you living out life. No longer you satisfying your earthly appetites. But you are now on assignment. You are now called in the army of God. And what you say is, yes, sir. You follow the good shepherd. The one whose hands are on the plow and looks back, Jesus says, is not fit for the kingdom. Go forward is growing up in God. Becoming mature. And changing that old mindset, submitting it to the word of God. You take every thought captive. Are they lined up with the word of God? Faith. With living hope. An expectation of good end. Or are they lined up with forbearance. Having lost something, mourning a passing of a moment, wanting to say go bye-bye and linger a little longer there. We're called as soldiers, Paul tells Timothy. Not to engage in this worldliness, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that is what repentance looks like. The word study of this word repent that Jesus uses as he starts his ministry 
as it starts this, this upward call that God has brought them into that we sow in the garden of Gethsemane, he, he closed off by saying, not my will. I did not come to do my will. And Hebrews writes about that. He came to do the Father's will. That word study of the word is to change after being with. Think, to think differently after, after a change of mind to repent. Literally to think differently afterwards. So was that we are from above, was that we're born again, thereafter we start changing our mindsets. Thereafter we start going into the places of understanding I have a keeping power that I'm to exercise over myself. That I am to finish strong as I started in the beginning all the way to the end. That I am to keep my abode in the heavenly place in Christ. That I am to have a word-governed mind. That I am to be still and know that he is God. To be firmly established in him. Because I have living proof based on living hope that I will never be disappointed so I can rise and walk by faith, not by sight. To live carefree and devour free, to cast my care on the one who cares for me, to trouble not my heart because life is supernatural and I'm from above. I'm going back through every title. of over the, This is all my titles. God said to me, in the very beginning of Dominion Sonship. He says, Desi, stay chill, buddy. I've got every title and every message attached to the title for the rest of your life. And at the end of your days, Desi, these titles will be the life story of your life. So these titles that he gives to me, a transformation to me. And I pray their transformation to you. Glory be to God. Go forward in God. Grow up. I have to finish with this. Because I, I'll be amiss if I don't. He just flashed it. I was about to wrap it up. Let's go very quickly to Second Peter. What does it look like to grow up in God? I said not to add natural stature. And I believe next week I'll spend a bit more time there in that verse in Matthew 6. But let's go to 2 Peter here. Growing up in God is to add to your faith. I said the whole, pretty much the whole message today. Why would I say that? Because I got it from first, from 2 Peter chapter 1. And Peter is saying, right there before that is, in ver let's start with verse 2, but I'm really going for verse 5. In verse 2, Peter writes, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. But which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. The very word of God. That's how we get to know him. That through these you may be partakers of divine nature. It's how we're becoming him. 
conform to him. Be, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. How? Because we're not flesh no more. But we have the spirit. That's how we escaped it. If you have the flesh, you cannot escape corruption. Verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. This is it. This is the message of dominion sonship. Diligence. Giving all the more diligence. Add to your faith. Grow up, can I say. These are the cubits of God. These are the measuring yards of God that we're about to read. This is how you grow up in God. And this is of the new man. It's of the new creation man. It's of the word of God that makes you partake of divinity. I can go for another two hours. But oversaturated, I'm not going to do that. But here, add to your faith virtue. This is the first cubit to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control. Self-control, buddy, self-control. Discipline of mind. Not an unruly mind. To self-control, perseverance. Keep on keeping on. To perseverance, godliness. Do right before God. To godless, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you go a little further in these things. Micron, go a little further. If these things are in you and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things, he who worries, can I say. He who sparked out and thinks they're full grown now. He who lacks these things is short-sighted. Even to blindness. Even to blindness. And has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Paul said the same thing. I'm attaining to the upward call in Christ. Peter says the same thing. He says, even more, be more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will neither stumble if you grow up in small increments of growth. If you do these things, you'll never stumble. Never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Je and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're done today. Amen.